begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve, joined by Jesse, as always. What's going on, Jesse? What up? What up? And uh, I am really excited because we got to watch, I mean, this morning for us here in the U.S., the uh, Motocross Nations, and that's what we're going to be diving into today. But first, let's get to some spots. Very excited. Thank you for tuning into the Power to the Ground podcast. Check us out on Instagram where we share race highlights and we record this podcast on Instagram Live every Sunday morning. Also, visit our website, www.power2theground.com, where you can check out some merch and don't forget to sign up for our email list for giveaways, news, and to get notified every time we upload a new podcast. Motocross of Nations was this morning, and man, was it a fun event to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed all of those races. It was so worth spending, what is this, three episodes? It was so worth spending three episodes plugging. I I completely agree. I mean, well, two, because we were supposed to plug for one episode and then kind of got completely sidetracked. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. two episodes plugging this. And uh, it, it was. It was absolutely worth it. Um, the U.S. didn't quite get the results we were hoping for, and we are absolutely going to get into that. <sighs> um, but first, we should probably just talk about uh, something that I guess shouldn't surprise anybody, and that is just the Netherlands winning on their home track and their first ever Motocross Nations victory on their home track in front of their king. Um, in huge fashion it wasn't even remotely close like the gap between the netherlands and everyone else was so like it i don't know if i've seen that kind of dominance in like any arena of of sports especially motorsports ever that was it was ridiculous no to 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 give you guys some points of reference like imagine imagine the uh the u.s team going into the olympics in basketball and winning every single game like 120 to 50. That's really what it was like. It was that much of a gap. It was there was that much dominance, and we were a couple of lapped riders away from the Netherlands sweeping all three motos. Yeah, one one one. And uh, so actually, let's talk about that. So the first race was MXGP and MX2, and we got to see finally you and I uh, firsthand Jeffrey Harlings and his just pure raw speed and talent bad start and he put in a charge and he was i mean gaining three or four seconds per lap by the end of that race it was absurd Uh, absolutely unbelievable yeah so let's you want to go chronologically what happened from the beginning of that moto to the end all right so let's talk about the very beginning of the race all right so um i believe it was uh uh that pulled up front Mm -hmm. um him, him, no, and, well, so him Prado, and Prado. Prado was first. Uh, he led the race for a good half to three quarters of the race. It was right. Prado. Um, they actually looked back at the replay, and it looked like um, Geiser actually edged him out on the whole shot by like an eighth of a tire. Like it right, was just a hair. It was, it was just a hair. Close. Yeah. Um, Prado ended up uh, starting out in front of Ge- uh, Geiser after that, and then uh, yeah, it just went from there. 
we had for the American riders in the first one, we had MX2 and MXGP, which means that we had Justin Cooper and we had Jason Anderson out there. And unfortunately, um, for those of you who didn't watch qualifying, Justin Cooper absolutely dominated the the uh, MX2 field yesterday in qualifiers. So coming into today, it was looking like Justin Cooper was going to be our anchor. He was going to be one the one holding down... <laughs> holding down and uh it didn't end up that way uh because in the third turn yeah it, it was like it was like second a, it, it was less turn. than a minute into the race yeah um anderson and cooper crash into each other and drop that so cooper cooper uh his clutch broke off of his um, his handlebars. He was clearly, clearly hurt. He was holding his arm. It took him a little while to get back onto his bike, and that affected him the whole rest that of the effect, day. Yeah, he was he was hurt. His like they said his hand uh, was was injured, so he just wasn't the same from that point on. Um, and, and let's be honest, like you still had hope. You and I still had hope, kind of watching the races. The U.S.'s chance at really competing in this thing this year ended one minute into the first race. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, it was that drastic. Yep. I mean, they were both running top ten, and from what we saw in later races, at least with Anderson and Osborne, <clears throat> they had the the ability to keep up and ride at least in the top ten with these guys. And from what we saw, the results that we'll get to at the end of the race, that means they would have absolutely had a chance to pull off a third, if not a second, uh, the way that they had the potential to ride. And if Justin Cooper didn't get hurt, maybe he yeah. it just one one minute into that race and the US's just chances were just completely shot you could see the defeat in Osborne's face he did an interview between the, the first two races and he was just like yeah and it's really unfortunate that it was like it's one thing for one of them to crash but for ha- to have them crash into each other and oh. the injury and the bike issues with Cooper like it was just such a bad start yeah and it's like if you you start talking about even after that the the amount of effort that Cooper put into it he was clearly hurt he he ended up racing the second race but the first race, he's clearly hurt. He has no clutch. They actually showed him stopped on the side of the track at one point, and you could see the left side of his handlebars. His clutch was just dangling from his clutch from his clutch cable, and so he had no clutch at all. But he was still making passes. He still ended up. I think he ended up in twenty seventh. Twenty fifth was his 20th. best finish, and that was in that. That first, was in that the first, first one. So, and he dropped back to thirty sixth. I yeah, think it was. He, he was, was really far back. He was way in the back, and uh, to his credit, man, he's hurt with no crutch. What? Well, sorry, no clutch, which would have been his crutch. Um, <laughs> He uh, he he made a lot of passes. So man, credit to Justin Cooper. It was just oh, so frustrating. So right? frustrating. And so I mean, we'll, and we'll get to how that affected the U.S. team as as it goes forward. Another another person who didn't get a great start was Jeffrey Herlings. Yep. And um, this is something that is apparently consistent with him, and we saw it all all day today or this morning. Um, but the thing with Jeffrey Herlings Herlings is that he may be the fastest rider on the planet. And what we saw today, I'm 100% convinced of that. He is his ability to just turn it up, and and I and I said he was three four seconds faster than everybody else on the track at the end of that race, and yeah. he was just gaining. So uh, Geyser had made the pass on Prado, and uh, another actually real quick credit to Prado who had been on a 450. They said for a few weeks yep. he had just won the MX2 championship so obviously he's a talented skilled fast rider but he didn't get very much time on the 450 at all and he was pretty decently out in first for 
a large portion of that first race. So he really put uh, put in some good laps, and so good for him. But Geyser was just Geyser was on it all day uh, today, and all of in both of his races. So Hurlings decides to start making some passes. When he decides to start making some passes, there's nothing you can do about it. This dude is so <laughs> much fun to to watch race and. And Steve, uh, Steve and I actually said at one point, um, especially towards the end of the races, it's very, very similar to watching Tomac at the end of the races, where it's just like, it's like watching a shark attack about to happen. Like you're watching Jaws and you can see the fin above the water and you're seeing somebody right swimming right in front of the fin and you're like this is just there's it's a matter of time yeah it's just it's a, matter a matter of time, of time. and that's it, it's right it was a similar feeling like i remember how many times have we seen tomac back in 14th 15th whatever by the end of the race we're just you're watching them and they'll have one of those camera angles where they're looking down the straightaway and they're riding towards you and you'll see you know the first place rider come around the corner and then maybe one or two others and then there's tomac and when he comes around it's just it's like a freaking bat out of hell coming yeah. around, and you're like, hey, give it a lap, and he's passing every single person in front of him, and that's how it felt with Hurlings. That's today. and and you actually at the end of that race, when Hurlings caught up to and passed Prado, they actually showed there was a moving there was a moving <laughs> camera shot this is of Hurlings actually passing um, Prado, and in that shot, the the camera was panning from left to right, following Hurlings. And you just saw Prado on the other side of the track, and it didn't look like he was moving at, at all. all. Yeah, the, so the camera is following Hurlings. He passes Prado, but Prado's moving backwards on that camera as if he wasn't moving at all. Like right. It, that's that's how fast Hurlings was riding. It just He opened up the throttle and just went. And so he caught up to Geyser in the last lap. He was in the same corner a couple of times. And then lapped riders happened. Oh, man. Yeah, the end of this race was absolutely... It was crazy. It was crazy. The The very last lap... So, I think they were four seconds apart going go, when they yeah, crossed the finish seconds. line to, to get into the, the last lap. And you just saw Hurlings just absolutely pin the gas. And it was crazy. So, there's this one... There's this one... Um, I I would call it a whoop section. What were they calling it? Rollers. The rollers. It was a roller section that Hurlings was just so much faster than everybody else in that it was just crazy. And um, it's like halfway. Be- it's basically the halfway point in the in the lap. And coming into that, uh, um, Geyser pulls into it, and there had to have been maybe a one second difference between them at that point. And he was and Hurlings. Him app just he just blew his way through those that roller section and by the end of the roller section they were right next to each other mm-hmm. and the only thing that separated them in the next turn was the was a rider. lapped rider and that that lapped rider oh man geyser better send that person a christmas card now you can't you can't right so the, the lapped rider didn't actually do anything wrong the problem no, the, the problem was how close they were together when they hit him right so the lapped rider saw geyser come up the inside yeah right? And held his line. The problem there was that Hurlings was going so fast, he carried his momentum. He was going to try to make the pass on the outside right. and got pushed further to the outside and had to slow up and check up because of the lapped rider, who probably didn't even know Hurlings was trying to do that on that side. Right. You know? So, no, it's not his fault. It's just it's really Hurling's unfortunate. Fault. Yeah, that's, that's Hurlings' fault. He's got to be a little bit more aware of what's going on on the track. Sure, but... 
you take away that lap rider, and then by the way, two turns later, the next, the other lap rider, right. because so that pushed him back. He was it probably about two or three bike lengths after that lap rider, right? So he lost a little bit of ground, and now there's like four or five turns left yeah. in, in in the race, and by the last two or three turns, hurling is back up on Geyser's tire trying to make a pass, and then it happens. He's about to make the pass. It's clear he's the faster rider, right? Right. He's about to make the pass, and another lap rider, almost the same situation, just gets right in between them. Hurlings has to check up, and that was it at that, that point. Was it. There was and no time left. There was one turn left after that, and and there was about um, four bike lengths between them, and, yeah, Geiser just he went through, he got the fire, and, man, yeah, that was the end of that first moto. It was... Oh, and like that, you said, a sending, sending a thank you letter to those lap riders because that was that's the only reason he finished in first right. in that race. But uh, credit to Geyser. Geyser, um, he was, first of all, take nothing away from that guy. That guy was flying. You know, all for, too. For, her, for him to even For him to even have an opportunity to keep hurlings behind him means that this guy was absolutely flying. Yeah, he had he was an, he was one of the riders just had a great day. Yeah, all day, uh, really impressive. So definitely not taking away from him. He deserved the win for sure. He raced great. Right. I just for me as a fan, you and I are jumping up and down watching this, going get out of the way right. to the lap and, riders because hurlings was so fast. That is that was the difference. The difference was, yes, hurlings was a faster rider, but. Geyser got through the lapped riders better. Well, and Geyser also got the better start. Now, he better had Hurlings start. had a better start and not had to, you know, make this massive comeback, he probably gets into first and gaps these guys by like 10 or 12 seconds yeah. by the end of the race. What did he, after going through the first lap, I want to say Hurlings was back in 17th? Yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere it was. 17th, it was around 18th. the 15th. Yeah, or above position, uh, which is actually exactly where he started in his second yeah. race too, uh, which we'll get to. So Geyser takes the first one, but the Netherlands as a whole, um, you know, they had started. That's is when they started to build their that lead. That started right? their onslaught. That's, uh, Hurlings finished off in the second and second after after so being so far back. Uh, Belgium had a really good. Uh, showing France started off all right, you know they're yeah. up there in the podium. We'll get to that. Who? How unfortunate for them. And then you had the U.S. and Great Britain um, teams that they had kind of expected to compete for, you know, podiums somewhere around that. Uh, the U.S. team was in 14th after that first race 14th. because of that crash. And uh, Britain, I don't think, was very far ahead of them. Uh, I think they were 10th or 11th. Or, I think or, it was 11th after the first um, race, yeah. So not a great start for the uh, native English-speaking countries <laughs> that we were. So the uh, the announcers, we had the, the guy from Britain and then Jeff Emig from the yeah. U.S. So the, clearly they were a little by, and they said it too. They're like, you know, I'm kind of rooting for Great Britain, and I'm kind of rooting for America. So that we kind of got a bit of a focus there, which was cool for us. Um, so that's how the first race ended. And then we go in, we bring in the open riders, and they're riding with the MX2 riders. Yeah. So now Cooper rides even though he's hurt. Um we're pinning our hopes on Zach Osborne in the second race. Yeah. And to his credit, he delivered mostly. He did. In that second race, he did. And going into the second race, Steve and I are sitting here and we're like, what the, what is going on here? <laughs> All right. You know, we're like, what did what did we do as a team? Like, how do we how do we fix this going forward? We had all the wrong riders here. I, I think the only one throughout the day that Steve and I agreed should be there based off of the results going through, you know, we, we ended up changing our tune a little bit, but, but going through the day, the only one that we were really settled on throughout the day was Cooper. And, and it was, 
I mean, I don't know what happened in that in that first race, but if I were to guess who was at fault for them them crashing into one another, my money is probably on Anderson. I'd put a paycheck on Anderson yeah. being the one that caused that. Um, I mean, you could also say maybe Cooper's inexperienced. He did something wrong or whatever that Anderson didn't expect. But I would put my money on Anderson. Yeah. So, yeah, I, our hopes lie with Osborne to kind of get us up. And we're thinking, like, at this point, you and I have said, like, man, can we get in the top ten? That'd be great. Okay, <laughs> like, like, we know Cooper's hurting. We have no idea what Anderson's going to do at this point, um, whether he even cares at this point going right. into that last race. So Osborne had yet to race. So hopefully Osborne can, you know— put in a strong performance and kind of pull things out. And maybe we were hoping Cooper was better and had a better uh, kind of showing in that second race. Wasn't the case. That kid was hurt. And and you said credit to him for trying. Yeah. Um, but he was just, I think he was just too hurt to kind of deal with it. And the track conditions, by the way, we haven't mentioned were terrible. Oh yeah. Uh, I've, we've totally forgot to, just, to mention it that. was raining the entire time. And it, it was, I think it was the second race when it became incredibly glaring how bad the, the track was because there was this one turn where people, there was riders just going down over and over and over again. And they, they had fo- uh, the cameras focused on this one guy that went into it. I think he was actually a French, was he a French? No, Spain. Spain. Uh, was it Prado? I'm almost positive. No, it wasn't Prado. No, okay. So, dude comes Might into have. this. No, I think it was Prado. I think it, I think was, it Prado. was Prado. Because he dropped way back. He, he dropped it way took back. Him, took this guy like two minutes to get his bike out of a, 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 a... The only way I can explain it is it was quicksand. They showed it in slow motion. And no kidding, this guy's coming around a turn. And all of a sudden, he just sinks into this pit. And there's no way that he could have avoided it because it was completely covered with sand. Over half of his front tire was completely buried yeah. in this uh, rut. His his suspension was in the... He had to go around to the front of his bike to lift it out. Yeah. Like he couldn't do it from the side or from the back. He had to walk to the front and put his arm under the suspension forks and pull it out to be able to get it. That's how bad... So the track was nasty. So nobody was riding as fast as they could have been riding. Yeah. Um. So that's definitely something we had to mention. It was raining... It's a it's a very 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 sandy track, so you get rain and sand. And if you didn't watch it, um, it was it was also windy. Let's not forget about that. What did they say? It was twenty six kilometer per hour. It was something like that. I mean, you saw all the flags and yeah. everything. They just it, just it was very windy, going nuts. And um, it was so rainy that like watching the broadcast, there was constantly water droplets on the the, the cameras camera. like yeah it was sometimes it was tough to see yeah. literally anything that was going on um so osborne comes in and starts to give the u.s team hope he fa- actually finished fifth in that second race um cooper had his what he finished down in 30 something 30 so i think that that was the result that they ended up dropping yeah. um and rightfully so the poor kid just did not have a great week right and that and, and really i feel like probably not his fault you know uh bike issues and and injuries notwithstanding so osborne comes in he pulls out a fifth this actually puts the u.s in a position where they can you know some things go the right way they put off some good results suddenly now you're talking about maybe getting a podium so right. osborne comes through and then we also see in that second race the continued and then increased dominance of the Netherlands team, Koldenhoff and Vlad, Vladim, Vlander, Vlander, the Netherlands MX2 rider. Yeah, the, the Netherlands MX2 rider, um, he was competing, man. I mean, you for being the weak link on the Netherlands team. He which, certainly was not right. weak. Right, but for the team aspect of this whole thing, 
let's face it, every MX2 rider was the was the weak link because yeah. you've got the less the, the, the less powerful, powerful bike. bike. So um, he ended up finishing eleventh. Yeah, it was it was in or close to the top ten, just outside right. the top ten. And he was he was either in that second race, he was either um, he was probably in the top three for MX2 riders in that race. Yep. And then Koldenhoff just let, every time he was on the track dominated. Yeah. Every single time he was on the track, nobody. His starts were phenomenal, um, and then once he got out front, it was just it was, it was see you gone, later. It, gone. He absolutely proved why him and Hurlings are considered the two fastest riders on the planet. This guy is coming completely coming into his own. Um, also, they said um, I, I didn't know this. I knew that Netherlands had finished second behind France last year. Yeah, and um, three years prior. So, <laughs> not um, to Koldenhoff's fault. Because they had an injury in their MX2 last year, he has won four straight motos that he's been in in the Motocross Nations. He yeah. won both of his last year, one one, and yeah. then this year he goes one one in his two. This year, you want to talk about someone just like dominating, and now he's doing it in front of his home, his home country on his home track, in front of his king, all this other stuff. And I think at that point, everybody knew like Netherlands was running away with this. Yeah, it, it wasn't was so even, crazy. wasn't even going to be close. Um, and at this point, you start getting some of the drama. France starts kind of falling back a little bit. Uh, Great Britain actually started putting up some good top 10 finishes, so they start moving up. Belgium Belgium really kind of just held their own all, all weekend. They weren't, they weren't as dominant or as, as high-performing as the Netherlands, which is why they weren't even close to being first. But they basically held second almost the entire day, and, yeah. and really it was no risk of them losing that at all. So they had a really, really solid weekend too. Yeah. Um, France, yeah, France just had a lot of uh, um, problems throughout the day. Well, it's starting in the second race. France started having problems, and they it was bike problems that they were having. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was both the both the second and the third race. Um, France had a, I think they had a DNF on both of them. They, I think they did. Yeah, I think you're it was, right. It was What's in the last they lap were, on the second on the second race. Halfway France through the ra- third race, they were still fighting for third. Yeah, and. Which which is crazy considering those results. So I mean, it, it, imagine had had Pauline even finished that third race. Right. You know, they'd probably take a podium there. Yeah, and he wasn't doing. Ba- yeah, they they would have had a shot at the podium for sure. But you know, there was a lot of you know what ifs with a lot of teams today. So well, you know, so if you go back when we had our uh, Buds Creek episode. Um, the one that we would just we should we were like we might as well call this one muddy creek like it right. was just it was absurd the amount of rain and mud and one of the things that I had mentioned back then we had kind of talked about was um, the unpredictability of mud races that can completely throw off all expectations right at the time we were talking about Ferrandis had been on like a tear and he wanted to continue his tear and the mud just completely ruined his chances <laughs> at a championship right so a lot of the similar stuff happened yesterday. We saw um, – now, I don't think France would have beaten Netherlands. Nobody was beating the Netherlands. But maybe if it's not raining so you don't get some of those same bike issues, France probably pulls off a second. Maybe Belgium finishes third. Maybe Belgium doesn't do as well because other teams are having more consistency. Maybe Anderson Cooper – you know, so the point being the rain clearly had an effect on a lot of those teams uh, this morning. I keep saying yesterday. It's used to being yesterday, but it was this morning. We watched it this morning. Um. The rain clearly had an effect on a lot of these teams, except for the Netherlands. Right. Um, and I think that's what kind of shook things up a little bit. So the second race, again, the U.S. moved up. Uh, they had moved up to 11th by the end of the second race. 
And uh, Koldenhoff had established himself as the best rider of the day. Yes, he did. And uh, I think they made anything else super interesting in the second race, right? It was that was pretty. No, France that was started, pretty much France it. started having issues. Cooper's injury clearly became a problem. Osborne came through with a fifth, so I think that pretty much you know covers the second race. Yeah, I don't think there was much much else that happened in the in the uh, MX2 Open race, which was you know most of the intrigue on on these races really is with the MX gp class so um yeah that leads us to the final race of the day and let's be honest um i'm my disappointment at this point in the third race didn't actually even come from the u.s's performance because i've kind of i had at that point resigned myself to not having a great result my disappointment was that hurling started so far back again we didn't get to see him and koldenhoff going at it mine as well that it had had hurling started even anywhere close to top five, six, or seven, we would have seen those two just, I want to win in front of the king. No, I want to win. I want to sweep in front of the king, blah, blah, blah. It didn't matter where they finished at that point, but to see them go at it would have been so awesome because they are two riders that now have, as a U.S.-based fan, um, I'm going to really start paying attention to MXGP, and those two guys are guys that I really want to watch their career. They're young. They're young. They were talking about uh, the Netherlands, like, keep this team. They're going to dominate the MXON for the next 10 years yeah. <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I mean, my first of all, the uh, the way that they handled this race in general, or this event in general, was just done very, very well. So yeah. the and, we'll, and we're going to get to hack how the MXON was set up well, for sure. In the third the third race, though, um, so they had live they had live scoring for uh, team scoring going through the third race, so you could see the top four. Um, teams throughout the race and where they were falling and it was just drop drop rise drop drop, australia was fourth great britain was third france was out and then france was third and great britain was fourth the u.s US jumped up with fourth at one point and we're like wait a second we have a chance at this what is going on it was just it was there was so much excitement with it and that's that's really what it was i mean i i saw us up at fourth at one point and i was like all right where is everybody we got to keep track of where everybody is we saw hurlings coming through the pack and we were like twice because he went down twice he He started crap he started crappy then he crashed and then gained all the way up to a it was around 10th or 11th i think he got up to went down again lost a couple of spots 14th or 15th and then ended up just tearing through the pack again and finished fourth yeah fourth crashed twice and had a shitty start and he still finished fourth can you imagine oh had he had he not gone down one of the, and the second time he went down was just him just pinning it it didn't he knew it wasn't going to affect the standings the country standings the, the, you know the final results they had that wrapped up by a long shot right. by this point i think it was some pride Personal and pride. That's personal what Personal pride. And, you know, watching Koldenhoff, his teammate, just dominating up there. And he's like, I got to get up there. I got to get. So he pinned it. He's opened it up and just going. And he went. He, he rode beyond himself a little bit in that last race a couple of times and went down because of it and still finished fourth. Still finished fourth. Yeah, it was, it was really an un- unbelievable event. Um, yeah, uh, just to put a little bit of... Uh, focus on the u.s team we like we said we saw them at fourth and then steve and i i I mean my my uh, it wasn't my expectations but i was anxious through this whole thing i'm like watching them anderson to his credit he had a good race in the third race you know he ended up finishing seventh 
Yeah, he so he was sixth from he was sixth for a really large portion of the race and started gaining on fifth. Yeah, he until was, Hurlings came by and, yeah. and shoved him back. Hur- <laughs> yeah, Hurlings Hurlings came by and he put a wrench in in Anderson's entire day. I mean, he was three seconds behind uh, Van Horbuck. Van Horbuck. Horbeek. 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 Some, Van some, Horbeek. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was three seconds behind the fifth place rider, and he he was gaining on him because just a few laps before he was ten seconds behind. He had a shot at taking top five right up until Hurlings just blew, blew by everybody. him. So, um, and I think that was you know that had me feeling a little bit better about Anderson because I was pretty down on him at that at that point. And yeah, we kind of hinted at it in the in the in the preview episodes leading up to this is that like we were wondering how serious Anderson was going to take this. He seemed to be over there just to kind of party and have a good time. Um, I don't. I, I can't say whether or not that reflected yesterday because I think you can't count the first race. It was a crash. It was an accident. That that that's just an unfortunate thing. And then his his last race, he he put a really solid effort in. And then Osborne, who had solid fifth place in that second race, and I'm thinking, okay, with Anderson putting in a good a good race, maybe Osborne puts in a good race. You we had fourth. We had, we, we did. could have been podium. Yeah. Um, had and- Osborne been up there, like say Osborne Anderson go six seven or five seven or five six, whatever it is, even eight. Uh, I think the U.S. gets enough points at that point to probably podium, especially with what happened to France with Pauline just completely DNFing. His bike just crapped the bed almost three quarters, if not more, of the way. It was towards the end of that race, and yeah. the dude couldn't finish. Yeah, it was – It was. Um, neither one of them got a bad start. I mean, Anderson, I, I want to say Anderson started off in ninth, and he quickly made his way up to seventh. And seventh is – or eighth and seventh is where he spent the majority of the race. Yeah. Um, he made his way, like we said, he made his way up to sixth. And then drop back to seventh to finish. Osborne was just all over the place. Osborne started off in ninth. Osborne started off in ninth, and then by I think it was by the end of the second lap, he had dropped to fourteenth. Yep. And then we saw him. He went fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, and then sixteenth. Yeah. Twentieth. Right. Seventeenth. Like he was just he kept bouncing, bouncing back around. and forth, but he never really got up, you know, past where where he started right. after he had started after dropping he back. Had back. Yeah. Um. So it, it's. Really, you know, overall disappointing. So the U.S. ended up finishing sixth total, tied, which is tied in points with France, who ended up finishing front of them. I'm assuming because of tie, average starts, probably tiebreakers, something. Yeah. something along those lines, or average. Yeah. Um. So they they were tied for France with fifth, I guess. Yeah. Um. As far as points go, so not you know, um. It wasn't cr- terribly disappointing, especially considering how they started. Right. So. And we're going to get to the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Yeah. We're going to get to how awesome the motocross nation is, is set up. And we're going to get to the everyday dude that is the king of the Netherlands. But first, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll be right back. So the U.S. team has... There were some things that, that happened with the U.S. team that, um, again, so we questioned a little bit whether or not the right riders were racing for the U.S. team. May have been, at least from my perspective, may have been a little bit harsh on them um, in the excitement and the anger and the disappointment of this is the one weekend, don't do this, and they did it, they went down, and then the Cooper injury, you can't blame him. And we didn't. We said that Cooper was still probably the best choice for the MX2. He is the best choice for the MX2 for the U.S. team. But we did, so that started a discussion while we were watching these races between you and I about did did we pick the right riders for to represent the U.S. in the motocross and nations. And had you asked me that last week, I said yes. 
halfway through this event, I was like not even close. And then by the end of it, I kind of had come back around a little bit. And, and I think I, I had softened my position a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know what it was other than just that one crash in the first lap. But it just didn't feel like this was the best team that the U.S. could have put out there having watched it now. I I agree. Yeah. Um, so... The only problem we have here, though, uh, I think the biggest problem that we have here is the um, the team slash brand complaining um, about putting riders into this because so if they want to make this a more competitive race, first of all, they've got to they've got to put more behind it. There's got to be something more worth it for the riders to be to take part in it because we saw that our best rider, our best American rider, did not race today. Right. He did. So the best rider. In the United States of America, as a country, is he like did Tony? not rest re- represent the United States of America in a world uh, motocross event. Right. That's that's a dis that's a di- that's a disservice to to I mean our our country the, the, and the sport in and general. The sport in general. Yeah. I mean, we did it. I watch hurlings out there, and you know what? I've seen. I've seen Tomac do what Hurlings did out there. I've seen him do it time in, time again. We're, and, and so I, that's actually something I want to talk about a little bit because I think I know where you're going, um, and I'm probably going to disagree. But conti- continue with with you know Tomac. So Tomac did not, I'm not represent. Gonna, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna make a determination on whether what you think I'm going to say is or not. But I'd like to see it. Yeah. So that you want to see it. You want to see it. Um, you want to see Tomac. Against, let's face it, Koldenhoff and Hurlings. It's not just Hurlings. Yeah, at this point, after after what I've seen and after the the past few MXGP results, it's the two of them right now yeah. are just just far and away. Yeah. Um. And I, you know what? I hope. What I hope is, and I, I again, I will go back. I understand why Tomac didn't do this. Tomac is thinking about his legacy, and the only thing he has left for his legacy to prove is that he can win a Supercross championship. And if he wins the Supercross Championship, God damn it, he better be at Motocross Nations next year. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, but that's, but again, that's we kind of talked about team versus Eli Tomac, and we've kind of disagreed here. But you saw this morning, and you were the one that pointed it out. There was what one Kawasaki rider, one in that entire field. Yeah, it was so a Brit- British rider. I, I think. don't know that it was just a Tomac thing. It's kind of where I'm back to. Clearly Kawasaki was having some issues with wanting to put riders in the motocross of nations across the world. And I think when you start when then when you also add in Kawasaki wants their freaking rider to get back on the top step of the Supercross like they had with Villapoto for 4 years in a row, um that decision to me seems like it was their decision. More so than anything else, right? Eli's too competitive of a rider to turn, turn, down, turn down representing his stage. goddamn country on right. the world stage. I feel like that had to be Kawasaki, and that's disappointing. And I'm, and if that's the case, if I am right, shame on Kawasaki because yeah. this was a huge opportunity for them as a as a brand for the riders and for the country being represented. Uh, and it is awesome, awesome event. Uh, shame on Kawasaki if they held these guys out for that reason. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. Shame on Kawasaki. Now, um, going back to team selection, um, for the open class, you know what? I, we could probably have a big conversation about this. And Steve brought it up while we were watching. Um, would Cooper Webb have been a better selection 
for the open class so, over uh, Zach Osborne. And I'm going to just firmly say I no, I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is that I believe that Cooper Webb is a more talented rider than Zach Osborne. I think Zach Osborne's experience on the European motocross stage helped him immensely yesterday. I don't know what happened in that third race, but he also had the best finish of any U.S. riders in any of the races. Right. So um, I don't know that Cooper Webb— Anderson's a a champion. Yep. He's a former champion, and he didn't have as good a finish in these races as Osborne did. So— Maybe he does if he doesn't go down in the first race. We don't know that. But I think my, my overall point being in this particular instance, you asked me to start a team yep. for indoor-outdoor in the U.S. I'm taking Cooper Webb all day, all day over Zach Osborne. You asked me which rider I feel like has a better chance to compete on a European stage for a one-weekend event. I'm still taking Zach Osborne. I do think he was the right choice for this team this year. I I definitely agree with you on that one. Um you know, I was thinking about it while, and again, like like Steve said earlier, we had we had gone back and forth emotionally. We were making <laughs> emotional decisions. We were like, oh, oh, "Get these guys off this team! Decisions. Who what the hell doing? thought it was a good idea right. to pick Anderson? This is terrible! Oh my god!" Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, we had brought up Cooper Webb at one point. Would he have been a better open rider? You know what? I'm not sure. I agree with you. I think Cooper Webb overall is a more talented rider, but you're talking about experience in Europe and not only experience in Europe, you put Cooper Webb in there and I've got the same hesitance with him that I have with Anderson is, is that person is it's not just Osborne's riding experience that he has over Cooper Webb. It's life also life experience because he's like, he's like six or seven years older and, um, you know, you put somebody, they're two hours north of Amsterdam at, in Assen, okay? So, two hours away from Amsterdam, how much money you want to bet that Anderson spent at least one night in Amsterdam while he was there? Oh my God, absolutely. Probably probably a decent amount more than that. Right. If it's only two hours away, yeah, absolutely. He spent a, yeah. a significant... Oh, I would, done with practice, going down to They Amsterdam. were over there for a month before this. They were over there for like all of September. Right. Anderson spent a good amount of and time. And I've, I've got the same problem with uh, sending Cooper Webb over there. I think you have a similar problem, and it's, it's not because of character. It's just because of age. Maturity. Right. Or overall maturity level. And that's Osborne's. not that's not knocking those riders. Right. I don't think they're bad people or just you know. I don't no. think Anderson's a crappy person because he wants to have a good time. I think he's a younger dude who wants to have a good time, and Osborne's a little bit older and understands the stakes. Yeah, I mean, look, Steve and I. For those of you who don't know, Steve and I, we're both Marine Corps veterans, and if you know anybody who's been in the military, you, there's great people in the military. There's great people with great heads on their shoulders, with great character throughout the military that do absolutely stupid, stupid things when they're 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm pretty sure you and I are both 20, in that category. And, and let's let's keep it going. 22, 23, 23 24, 25, 25 right, 26. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, putting somebody in on a world stage where they're going to a place where it's like, you know, it's European Vegas is Amsterdam. Um you put somebody like Osborne over there who he's he's got a little bit more life under his belt than somebody like Cooper Webb um he's got a kid um you know it, I, I I agree focus I think yeah. focus he's it the guy down to focus he's the guy that needed to be there for the open class I 100% agree I That's, think, it had to be him so going down to the MX2 class we've got Cooper Webb is there a better choice you mean Justin Cooper sorry 
Justin Cooper. Cooper. The Cooper. Cooper. The Cooper. The Cooper, yeah. the Cooper true, crew. No, they should start a law firm. Cooper and Cooper. Cooper and Cooper. The Cooper crew. Yep. The Cooper crew. <laughs> so, sounds like a a, a bad gang and, and a, a bad no the bad guy group in like a Mario game like the Cooper, <laughs> the Cooper crew. I was gonna say it like like a bad local advertisement for Cooper. called the Cooper crew. Out. Cooper and Cooper lawn. <laughs> No, Justin Cooper was not only uh, a, a great choice, regardless. Um, but who else are you putting there? You, you. Don't. The only other rider that is even um, like remotely uh, to me somebody that could compete isn't an American rider, right? He's French. Yeah. yeah. So, um, who actually rode for the winning team last year? Yeah. So there's there's that. But uh, Justin Cooper was far and away the best choice for for the MX2 class, and um, not only that. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that, like. Anybody who's been listening to these podcasts, especially as we kind of picked up towards the end of the outdoor season when, when you and I started this, knows that I have been all over Justin Cooper. I 100% think that this kid is going to be an absolute star moving forward in this sport. Not just in the 250, but when he gets to 450, I think that this kid is competing for championships on a regular basis. He needs to put some work. He needs to learn how to finish a little bit better. He needs obviously some cardio work. We saw that in the in the outdoor season. Those are some of the criticisms where like he'd just get up front and he'd go and then he'd fade towards the end of a race and then the second race he would just not perform as well. All this stuff comes with age and he's so young. Um what I saw this morning didn't really back that up because of the injury. It did back up his toughness. Yeah. The the, the fact that he just didn't say, screw this, I'm done. He's like, no, I'm going out there and I'm pushing. And he actually, towards the end of both of those races while being hurt, made passes, which is unbelievable to me. Um, but especially yesterday. Yesterday. And the qualifier shows his pure natural talent that while still unrefined, shows I, I I am convinced even more now than I was during the outdoor season that Justin Cooper is going to be one of the best riders in this sport, at least in the U.S., moving forward for the next few years. Yeah. So um, if you're not familiar with the format of Motocross of Nations, they mix the classes. So on every race, you have 450s and 250s riding at the Except same time. Except for the time. last race. Which all Except for the last yeah, race. Open and GP. Right. So, um, so yesterday in qualifying, though, all of the qualifying was separate. So you had 450s racing against 450s and 250s racing against 250s. So yesterday, what we got to see was where all of these people stack up against the their class, class. Their class. And what we saw was Justin Cooper is by far in, in qualifying. That's what we saw when he raced against the people in his class. Justin Cooper is by far the best 250 rider in the world. That's what I saw yesterday in qualifying. And unfortunately, those results did not pan out. I don't know if you can say world yet because not all of the best riders in the world raced yesterday. Fair point. Ferrandis didn't race yesterday. Ferrandis didn't race race yesterday. Neither did either of the Lawrence brothers. So he was the best rider on the 250 bike at Motocross of Nations, which puts him somewhere near the top of 250 riders in the world right i will give you that i just i think best is too strong because riders are left out of this event as we've seen so i'll i'll (laughs) I'll dial it back all right so yesterday at motocross of nations justin cooper was by far the fastest 250 rider at motocross at the motocross of nations event yep absolutely so i mean that's that's really the breakdown i i still 
I don't think we had our best rider out there. But given the circumstances of whether or not it was the, the rider's decision or not, I think we put maybe our best foot forward. I think we I were think, putting our be- as close to our best foot, our best team together that was allowed given the circumstances. Yeah. And I still have a question mark on Anderson. I'm still not sure. I'm I'm not convinced that he was our best choice, even considering. I I think there's some other riders that we could have put. So out there you too. know, we we kind of made the argument. Here's a here's an interesting question, and something that can definitely fuel f- some uh, some future future podcasts. We kept going Cooper Webb versus Osborne, Webb versus Osborne, and, and clearly because of the age and the experience factor, we kept going back to Osborne. We didn't mention, what if you put Cooper Webb in instead of Jason Anderson? Ah. Does that change the results? And, and of course, obviously replacing any of them changes the results technically right. because you don't get that accident in the first, you know, right. w- whatever. But just o- overall, as far as team composition and, and final results and ability to compete and to, we know what Cooper Webb can do at the end of a race. He's got that hurling-esque kind of like weird second wind going in the, yeah. at the end of races. Um does Cooper Webb give the U.S. a better result than Jason over, Anderson? Over Anderson. Over I, Anderson. I think he, yeah, I think he does. I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I, I do. So when you say, did we put our best foot forward? Maybe not. No. I don't think we put our best team together for this year. And it felt good, right? We talked about like the way they were treating it, uh, the way they were acting as a team together. Um, everything about this felt like they were taking it more seriously. But I think the thing we forget is that you're going against the best riders on the planet. Right. Jeffrey Herlings and uh, Glenn Koldenhoff, clearly, from what we saw, are just two of the two fastest riders on the planet. And that's not just in motocross and nations. That's in general. Right. On the planet, they're the two fastest. And to compete with that, to compete with the, the up to that point four-time, five-time defending MXON champion, you put no Tomac, no Cooper Webb, you put out um, – I, I can't I can't knock the Justin Cooper thing. He is the best 250 yeah. American rider. But still, even somebody who's so young and inexperienced. So what did you expect was going to happen when you put this team out there? It didn't matter what their approach was. I don't think they had the right team overall. I know I came back around. I'm not as down on it as I was halfway through, through the right. event this morning. But I still think if we could go back to you know two or three months – and if you and I were in charge of making some changes, even if you are forced to keep Otomac off the board, which is unfortunate, um, at least one change I would make, I think, now that I thought about it, is putting Webb in instead, instead of, of Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. but I think, I'd also don't think Anderson is fully back, by the way. You don't think he's 100%? I don't think he's 100%. I want to put that out there because I know he is a really talented rider. I want to make sure I make a note. He started to show flashes of coming back towards the end of the outdoor season, but the consistency wasn't there. The conditioning wasn't there. Right. And if he's out there partying in Amsterdam and not putting in conditioning laps, that's partly his fault. But he might also still be hurt or coming back to getting into form. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, the guy, he really has a problem with... uh, with just staying focused, though. And you saw that, right? Think about last year, right after he had won the Supercross Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, two, there's two weeks in between Supercross and Motocross starting, right? So there's not much of a gap. So you think if you're in tip-top shape finishing out the Supercross season, 
you're probably going to carry some of that momentum going into the outdoor season. Do you remember what happened? I don't. No. Anderson was so slow starting in outdoor. There was there was a point there was a point there and I can't remember what race it was. Anderson was 30 he was like 20 seconds ahead. He had like a 20 second lead and Tomac crushed a 20 second lead in like a lap. So Cooper Webb. Okay. Had almost the same thing happen to him going from supercross into outdoors. And what Cooper Webb had said was that he was so focused on wrapping up and finishing and, and, and you know, keeping things going with, with the supercross championship. He's competing for a championship. He didn't think about outdoors. He wasn't even prepared, wasn't preparing right. for outdoors at all. I, That's I'm a problem in that, that they have. Yeah, I'm in that case willing to give Jason Anderson the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt. And he has said he was so hyper focused on that championship that year because that was something that that was an opportunity. He who knows when he was going to get right. another one. Um, and I'm that is give, where they make their money. Yeah, so. and I'm so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt there. But I think your overall point is kind of is kind of the same. So, um, yeah, no, I I think that next year I really hope that how close the U.S. was after all of that happened to still being able to podium. Can you imagine just my dream team next year as it stands right now is Tomac and the MXGP, Justin Cooper still in the MX2, and then Cooper Webb. Probably the next fastest American rider, yep. right? I, I would say because you got Roxy and Muskan are obviously not American, right? Um, and I think I'd this point take Cooper Webb over Jason Anderson, yeah, like I said. So you put, Coop, put Cooper Webb in the open, and I think the U.S. not only competes for podium, I think the U.S. might be able to compete for first with for that first, team, right? Because the Netherlands isn't going to be the home now. Okay, actually, you're still got hurl. I don't care where it is. You still got hurlings and cold. My my question mark. My question mark for that is still, um, I don't look. I see how dominant. Think think about how dominant Tomac is in uh, when you put him in reference to Anderson and Osborne. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Tomac sits with all of these riders. You know what he he could he he might be a solid third. You know you might have Hurlings and Coldenhoff right there. But then again, how competitive is Tomac? Do you think? Do you think for a second that Tomac is okay with having two 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 riders who are considered the top riders in the world? Do you think he's okay with having people not. in front of him? Of course not. And and I, like you said, I just want to see it. I just want to see it. Well, yeah. I think my point kind of is um, we've seen what happens when some of the fastest. American riders ever go and try to compete in Europe. Right. Uh, it didn't work out so well for Villapoto. No, it doesn't. And Villapoto was, he's he's considered one of the best. He is, in, I agree. Ever. I think Tomac overall is faster. I think he's faster and more dominant than Villapoto. We are having this discussion. We are totally having this discussion for one of these races. Yep. In their prime, who's faster? Absolutely, we're having one of these. Um, but we're going to save that one for another podcast. Yeah. So just real quick. <laughs> the what ifs, the what ifs. What if Anderson didn't crash, or what if Anderson and Cooper didn't crash into each other? This I think the U.S. Th- probably takes second. I think so. I think so too. That, I mean, that mm, that's or third at third at worst. Third at worst. Yeah, Belgium. Belgium did really, really well too. I, yeah, they did. But I don't think if they don't crash into each other, there's. I don't think there's any way either one of Anderson or Cooper fall outside of the top ten in that race. That means that the seventeenth for Osborne is, in, thrown, is out. thrown out. That means that they've got 
they've got a call it seventh and eighth is 15 call it osborne's fifth is another five so that's 20 points and then um anderson's seventh is 20 set they're second place they're second place they're second place second place right it's not quite the the what was it 40 point difference to freaking yeah like ridiculousness so the what ifs do are unfortunate you get to play that game um so and that I guess kind of bring to bring it back around full circle. Had that crash not happened, are we sitting here saying we didn't put our best team forward? If the U.S. finishes second in the MX Motocross, and that's ages. why that's why I come around because I start talking about the what ifs, right? And, if and the I, what ifs happen, then we really don't, we don't have as many complaints about the team that we put. forward. So let me put it like this, and this is this is going to be my last last kind of statement on it. I still don't think this is the best per rider team we could have put forward however i do think that this team was good enough given the circumstances to compete in the motocross of nations so i'm not gonna hate on the picks too much i just think we could have done better we could have done better but i think it came down it came down to what happened in really really crappy crash it came the first minute of the race yeah that's and that's what it came down to it wasn't necessarily the riders it it came down to a crappy situation inside of the race. But the best part, you know what? The, so you, all of this has been great, right? It was such an awesome event. I love the team aspect of it. And actually it's something I think next week I would like to personally talk more about the, the team. The team aspect, aspect of, of the sport and maybe how this the sport in other areas can take the team-oriented aspect of it. <laughs> Um, but you know for a fact we'll start talking for two or three hours about that if we do that now. So let's yeah, let's actually make that day. next week's topic. Hopefully you guys you know listening now can join us again next week. We're going to talk about um, the team aspect because it was really great. But let's be honest. The best part of this weekend was seeing the Netherlands king. The Netherlands king. All right. First of all, the Netherlands has a king. Right. Which is still in, – in 2019 is such a weird kind of like the king was there. You know, the lead, the monarchs of in history have always been, you know, to watch their Olympic events or their, their the gladiatorial and they enjoy the entertainment. Yeah. That's just the modern day. Like the Netherlands king was there to watch the motocross at age. It's and just it, such a weird – It was so <laughs> funny. When they first mentioned it, they were like, we've got the king of the Netherlands here. And the first thing that I thought of Me was, too. oh, know. that's a cool nickname for, for Jeffrey, Jeffrey Hurlings. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, wow, is that what they're already going to call it? The king of the Netherlands, right? No. Like, I guess that's a, No, but then, what they were talking about was literally the monarch of <laughs> the, the Netherlands. king of the Netherlands. Like – Oh, but here's what's funny. So I, I guess I missed it. I, I had, I had walked away at that point. But you said you, they, they showed him, right? Yeah. At, so at the end of the race, when, when the Netherlands had absolutely just blasted all of the competition, um, if you get a chance, go on to uh, mxgp.com and you can see. Well, I'm, they're probably going to be on promotocross.com. We might throw them up Racer on our. X and all they, that. yeah, they will probably throw them up on our, uh, on our website too. Let's, Power let's to, make. Power the number two theground.com. Let's make the king of the Netherlands our like main picture on our website now. That's a great <laughs> idea. So so yeah, so I'm I'm picturing for some reason they're like I'm thinking, oh, the king is here. He's gonna be wearing like a silk robe and have a freaking crown on. Or or even like my thought was like, all right, what would a what would like a monarch in current times suit like presidents right like right. at least dressed up in like just real real formal suit with a tie and like maybe a little netherlands pin on his lapel yeah. <laughs> like something and that's nope. not what i got i got this blonde dude um with a shortcut beard um it, it didn't even look like a beard it just he just looked unshaven and he was wearing a orange hoodie and a 
blue windbreaker over the top of it. Like, just, if you had, if you had pointed that guy out to me and said, "Who do you think that is?" I would be like, "I don't know, some a, guy, a team owner, it, you, right? Maybe he owns. He, does he own the 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 Red Bull KTM team for for the Netherlands? Or like, or like the guy who owns the land that the track is on, or something? Right. Like, just just but, like there was but people a dude, crowded, just, just right. a normal dude. <laughs> there was people crowded around him, so obviously, you know, he's he's got some stake in what's going on here. But he looks like a dude. But he looks like a dude. And the, if you were to point to me and be like, "That's the king of the Netherlands," I'd be like. Right, and I'm so, the king of Spain. I, I, <laughs> all right, and I apologize to anybody watching this from the Netherlands if they take you know that I, we're not we're not meaning this as a as a anything offensive. No, no, this. I think it's awesome. I that, think it's you know awesome somebody too. who's who's clearly the single most important person in your country is laid back enough to throw on a hoodie and a windbreaker and go enjoy some motocross for the weekend. I think that's awesome. If anything, right. it's a compliment yeah. that he didn't I mean, make it a big affair about himself where like, look at me and my, he didn't give a big speech before at it. He was there to enjoy it. Cause he's a cool, seems like a cool dude. From right. what, you know, what yeah, it's, it's really, really what I saw there was, um, they had this event that Steve and I here in the U S this is a sport that he and I are very passionate about. And the nation clearly took seriously they took the they took the sport so seriously that the king made an appearance at the event. And wish they would do stuff like that here. Yeah, like, dude, the U.S. president. You don't even get the governor or the mayor of the town showing up to motocross events right. in, in the in the U.S. So. Right. No. That's so. Uh, you know, kudos to you, Netherlands. You put on an awesome. That awesome, track was great. Awesome event. It's unfortunate that it was so rainy, but, but the track you guys itself ha- was great. You, they, they handled it so well. The, the event was just so well done. I think I they they said there was how many people there it was like forty thousand or something. It was a it was a de- and they were loud. They were loud. They were so loud. Obviously cheering for Coldenhoff and Hurlings who won. It makes right. it easier to be but loud. They're you know they're in the Netherlands, so they're pretty. They're they're like right there in the middle of Europe. So there's there's representation from several different countries there, and you saw it. There was people setting off smoke bombs with the colors <laughs> of their flag. There was there was different flags being held by fans from different countries. Yeah. They were all over the place. It was such a cool event. I am putting a stamp on it right now. I'm doing everything in my power to go to a motocross of nations next year. I don't care where it is. Um, I would really like to go to this event. If you guys didn't watch the event, find it somewhere. It's so worth watching. Like if you're a fan of motocross at all and you didn't watch this, like you're doing yourself a disservice. This is just it was just so entertaining. No matter what your stakes were, you now if you've listened to this, know the results. But it doesn't matter. It was there was some awesome racing. Um, it was fun. It was an interesting setup with the team aspect. So um, definitely go and watch it. And I, and I hope they just expand this and start doing more things like this because this is, this is really good. And I'm with you. And actually, if you really like this podcast and have come to like uh, the bearded duo that is me and Jesse and want to help us get to the Motocross Nations next year, you can just go ahead and subscribe and you know maybe grab some merch and a T-shirt and help fund our trip to the Motocross Nations next year. And we <laughs> And I trust me, this is this is one of those things that Steve and I are doing this for. We want to create a sports center for motocross. We don't want you to have to go through everything that you have to go through just to, to get, get some your, news. Just to get your fix of the sport that you love. We want to make sure that you have a place to go, to find the information, to find the the, the coverage of it. And you know, that was a problem that we had with this thing is we couldn't find coverage about it anywhere 
anywhere. We had to go to mxgp.tv.com um, to get coverage of this. Turns out that they're playing it after after the fact on TV, but we had to get the, the information as soon as possible so we could do this podcast for you. Um, so yeah, if we, I guarantee you, if we get to motocross of nations next year, there is going to be a ton of coverage of this event and nonstop, nonstop. There's going to be live video, coverage. There's going to be live coverage. There's going to be audio. There's gonna extra be podcasts, extra podcasts. All we'll, of it will be all over this thing. So like, like Steve said, if you guys, um, you want a sports center of motocross, if you want that extra coverage, if you want some more in-depth coverage, um, like he said, please jump over to our website, power, the number two, the ground.com and please support us. Um, we're doing everything we can. This is a, we're, we've gotten some incredible, um, uh, growth over the past um month yeah really uh where you guys you're clearly enjoying what we're doing and we want to keep making it better and better and better every week um so thank you guys so thank by the you way very for much. listening you know uh we hit we went over 1200 total listens yesterday yep, 1200 total um, listens yep. one, over a thousand people have listened to me ramble about this sport which <laughs> is uh it's humbling um and you know thank you so much everybody who has listened to any single one of if not all of our podcasts uh, your support means the world, and it's the reason we're going to keep doing this. Yep. So I think that's about it. For I think on that, I'm going to say on that sentimental note, I think it's a good chance to uh, to kind of wrap it up. We have obviously we set ourselves up with some really cool stuff to talk about for the rest of the off season. Um, There's and, a couple of more events before Supercross. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll definitely cover some of those events too. But at least you know in some of these off weeks, the team aspect, more you know hating on the media in the sport, and yeah. all this other fun stuff that greatest we like to ever's. Talk about. And the greatest ever's we're going to get to the greatest ever's we're going to do that. I can't wait to do that. So, um, those are just some things you can expect to hear moving forward. So make sure you're, you're tuning in each week and, uh, and listening to us ramble. So, uh, I, you're right. I think that does it. We've hit our longest podcast yet this week. So <laughs> yes, it's only going to get better, man. Um, it's been a pleasure and I'll see you next week, Jesse. Absolutely. I'll see you next week, Steve, and I'll see you guys. Well, I won't see you, but you'll hear us next week. Thank you so much again, and uh, yeah, enjoy this week. Guys, have a good week.